0: Today the Matt Walsh Show, Target has suffered massive losses as conservatives boycott over their literally satanic pride campaign. We're succeeding in making pride toxic for brands, but how did it get to this point and where do we go from here? We'll answer those questions today. Also, Ron DeSantis crashes the servers at Twitter during his uh, campaign launch event. A new report shows how Google searches related to sexual orientation and gender identity have risen 1,300% since 2004. And a Republican state senator in Louisiana single-handedly kills a bill that would have banned the castration and mutilation of children. Turns out that he gets a lot of donations from Big Pharma. Must be a coincidence. We'll talk about all that and more today on the Matt Walsh Show. Companies are strong-arming their customers to support abortion, canceling customers for the political views, making a mockery of women by supporting transgender models. No government agency, institution, or company is allowed to just be what it is and focus on fulfilling the tasks that it was made to fulfill. A beer company just can't make beer anymore. Their primary concern is not with brewing and distributing beer, but with showing their support of the left's political and cultural agenda. Well, Public Square offers a new solution. Public Square is an app and website where you can get connected to tens of thousands of businesses from all different industries that share your value for life, family, and freedom. Public Square also offers discounts to many high quality businesses on the platform so that you can actually have an incentive to spend money with companies that don't hate you. Whether you're looking for a new athletic clothing uh, that knows what a woman is, a banking partner you can count on, or simply a new restaurant in your area that won't lecture you about your political views as you're trying to enjoy a meal with your family, head on over to publicsq.com. Public Square. It's free to join as a consumer or a business owner. You can get started at publicsq.com or download their app today. That's publicsq.com. One of the hardest things to do is take a step back and put news stories into a larger context. It's hard mainly because corporate media outlets do everything they can to make it hard. They don't want you thinking about what this country was like just a few years ago. Because if you did that, you might think to yourself, wow, you know, life was a lot better back then. And if you started thinking like that, you might do something radical, like you know, wage war on the companies they depend on for ad revenue. You might join a boycott and Bud Light their revenue stream. So they want you as disoriented as possible to prevent that from happening. And with that in mind, it's been interesting to read... Some of the media coverage on Target's new effort to sexualize children, in case you're not up to speed on the story, Target recently decided to stock its stores with a variety of disturbing and perverted items, including uh, gay pride apparel for children, swimsuits designed for tucking, and merchandise with literal satanic imagery designed by an actual avowed satanist. And tucking, for the record, is a practice that can cause urinary tract infections, inflammation, etc. Um, in addition to being, you know, demented but Target's all for it. And here's the background that Fox News provided in their article on this story. Quote, many Target locations across the country feature massive June Pride Month displays on an annual basis. Now set aside Fox's sterile descriptions of large crotch swimsuits for young boys who are suffering under the mental delusion that they're really girls. Notice what Fox said about Pride Month there. They said on an annual basis. You know, Target sets up these Pride Month displays. Like so much else in the news media, that's a technically true statement that misleads the reader by failing to provide any context whatsoever. The report doesn't mention when exactly this supposedly annual tradition at Target started. How new is this exactly? When did they change their strategy and why did they do it? Those are questions you never see asked. All big media outlets are spitting the story just like this, by the way, it's not just Fox. Um, here's ABC, for example.
1: Target is pulling some LGBTQ merchandise following some confrontations between customers and workers. Eyewitness News reporter Mark Cotoroblis is live in Pasadena
0: with the latest on this. Mark.
2: Yeah, Rachel Leslie, good morning. And Target saying that this all comes down to employee safety after some employees say that they have been threatened and targeted by this Pride merchandise in the stores. And so Target now moving
0: forward by removing some of the Pride items that have caused the most Confrontational behavior, a Target has been offering these prod products for more than a decade. But when this year's collection rolled out, Target saying its employees experienced threats impacting their sense of safety and well-being while at work. Now, everything you heard in that clip is nonsense, especially the stuff about Target employees having their safety jeopardized. And even if that were true, by the way, the fault would lie with Target itself for deciding to carry merchandise so repulsive and outrageous that its employees are put in danger just by selling it. But again, it's not true. It also isn't really true that, as the reporter claims, Target has been offering these Pride products for more than a decade. Because Target hasn't been working with satanic clothing designers for a decade. The partnership began this year, actually. And Target hasn't been stocking their stores with tuck-friendly swimsuits for a decade. Because a decade ago, you know, tucking was something that the serial killer in the Silence of the Lambs did. It wasn't a subject that came up while you were shopping for swimsuits. In fact, a decade ago, Target didn't dare to stock any Pride merchandise in their stores. And we know that because they tweeted this in 2013, quote, our Pride merchandise is only available online. That's the first tweet that Target's account ever made about Pride, by the way. Prior to 2013, they never even mentioned the word. So you're not crazy. You're just being lied to. And they're not just lying about Target. At some point in the last 10 years, every major corporation decided to shove pride propaganda in your face and in your kids' faces, even when it makes absolutely no sense. Ten years ago, for example, this is what advertisements for the outdoor recreation company North Face looked like. And you can see there a picture of a a rugged-looking guy uh, doing outdoorsy stuff in France. He's living on the edge, according to the ad. It's logical, clearly designed to make you want to buy North Face's products for outdoorsmen. For comparison, here's what the North Face's advertisements look like this year.
1: Hi, it's me, Patagonia,
0: a real life homosexual.
1: And today I'm here with the North Face. We are here to invite you to come out in nature with us. Wow, this is nice. We like to call this little tour the summer of pride. This tour has everything. Hiking, community, art, lesbians, lesbians making art. Last year, we gay sah across the nation and celebrated pride across the nation with hundreds of you across the nation. This year, we're back, back, back again with two new stops, Atlanta, GA. Why? Because you're there. In Salt Lake City, we're coming for you. Hi, we go? Of course. This year, all these fabulous speakers will be coming from inside this TV to a nature near you. So come outside and celebrate the beautiful TV community. That's pretty yay.
0: Now you can bet the North Face isn't running that ad in China where they now make a lot of money. But in the US, that's an actual North Face personality. Go on their website, you'll find this invitation next to a picture of Patty the drag queen, quote, join us for a day of hiking, drag, community and more. It's pretty clear that the North Face now considers sexual perversion to be central to its identity as a brand for outdoorsmen. How long has this been going on? As far as I can tell, they went completely unhinged about a year ago when they released this ad featuring the same drag personality.
1: Nature lets you be who you are. Even gay. Hi! Ladies and gentlemen, you are cordially invited to the Summer of Pride with my friends at the North Face. We're traveling all the gay across America, and everyone's invited. That means you. Me. And you. Hello. And you. Wow. Not you, though. You're too cute. Okay, just kidding. You can come. Put on your boots and come out. Side with us. See you there, besties. Don't you think this is all a little intense? I mean, look at you, you're in a literal tent right now. But no, this event will not be intense. Everyone is invited, everyone is welcome. It's gonna be so fun.
0: Now, as you've probably guessed by now, a company that thinks it's a good idea to employ someone like that is also very interested in sexualizing children. It's almost like you know the natural endpoint of these deviant and satanic ideologies is to target kids. It's not almost like that. That's just the fact. Here's the North Face's out in nature clothing line designed for kids aged two to seven years old. And as far as I could tell, this out in nature line didn't exist on the North Face's website until last year. So this is new as well. A few, year, a few years ago, major clothing lines would not dare sell gay pride apparel for toddlers. Now it's becoming more the rule than the exception. What explains the change? In the case of the North Face, it could be financial desperation. Uh, The stock price for VF Corporation, which owns North Face, is down around 80% in the last five years. They desperately need more interest from investors. And one way to do that is to earn a a high ESG score or environmental, social, and governance score. These scores became immensely popular on Wall Street about, about three years ago. And according to PricewaterhouseCoopers, companies that advance diversity and equity and inclusion goals They go a long way towards improving their ESG scores and, quote, improving their reputation and gaining greater interest from investors. That includes investors like George Soros, who has donated more than $100 million to the so-called Human Rights Campaign, or HRC. HRC, as we've talked about recently, is a chronically dishonest organization, routinely lies about there being some kind of epidemic of anti-trans hate crimes. They lie about everything else, too. And yet somehow, Every corporation, except for maybe firearms manufacturers, from the North Face to Fox News, bends over backwards every year to appease the HRC. Why? Well, because HRC maintains the Corporate Equality Index. And if you want a good ESG score, then you want a high score from HRC. What we're seeing is yet more social engineering, funded to a large degree by a man who has a well-established reputation for destroying countries for profit. None of this is organic. That's why corporate media is lying about pride. They want you to think that it's some kind of organic, month-long holiday, but it's not. For, for decades, Pride Month used to be a single day. They called it Christopher Street Liberation Day. And it commemorated the riot by gay white men at Stonewall Inn in New York City. It wasn't until 30 years later in 1999 that the sexual deviant who occupied the White House at the time declared that for some reason we need a Pride Month. For a while, it was strictly about homosexuals, but now that's changed. According to the New York Times, Pride Month actually commemorates the actions of brave, quote, trans women at Stonewall. Quote, transgender women of color led the uprising at Stonewall Inn 51 years ago on Sunday, but they were never put at the center of the movement. They helped to start. That claim is sourced to Sylvia Rivera, who uh, witnesses said was high on heroin and asleep on a bench when the riot began. Not exactly a credible claim. Mark Hemingway debunked it years ago for the Daily Signal. But it's one you're now expected to accept as gospel. Like everything else about pride, you're told uh, what you're being told is true is simply not true. But stop asking questions. But finally, after many years of sitting back and watching this progressive degradation of culture and this flagrant rewriting of history, the right is fighting back. Target is backing down, not entirely, but noticeably. They're moving their perverted clothing line out of some stores. In many other stores, they're moving their entire pride collection to the back out of sight, whereas it used to be right in the front as soon as you walk in the doors, uh, because they're worried about becoming the next Bud Light, and they should be. Bud Light has reached truly a point of full-on crisis, their sales cratering week after week. NBC News has an article this week quoting industry insiders who are flummoxed by the backlash. Quote, nobody imagined it would go on this long, they say. Bud Light's brand is in shambles with no signs of recovery. And it's true. Nobody in the corporate world saw this coming. They have been totally blindsided. You can see why. Corporations kept ramping up their pride festivities for years with little pushback from the right. Uh, It was an easy gig. Wave the rainbow flag. Repeat the slogans. Trans women are women, etc. Appease the left. Pump up those ESG scores. And let your conservative customers roll their eyes, but keep buying your stuff anyway. That's the way it went for a long time. That's the way they expected it to always go. But things are changing now. And these people aren't ready for it. I said on Twitter yesterday that the ultimate goal uh, for us, those on team sanity, those on team decency, has to be to make pride toxic for brands, radioactive. If these companies want to shove this garbage in our face, they must pay and pay dearly. Whatever they think they'll gain from the stunt, we must ensure that it's not worth the cost. We need to give them something to think about, something to weigh. You know, the left has, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, this concept of problematizing, which means making something into a problem when it really isn't. Well, now the right needs to get into that, needs to get into the uh, problematizing game. We need to problematize pride, except that we are making something into a problem that already should be a problem. The pride movement is fundamentally political, polarizing, radical. All we have to do is treat it that way. Treat it as it should be treated. My comments about this on Twitter resonated enough that I was trending for most of the day on the, most of the, day on the platform, though that was thanks partly to those on the left who were furious at me for, saying, for daring to say that we should make pride toxic. And this prompted a rather hilarious, if somewhat grotesque spectacle of leftists. Passionately defending the poor, put upon, persecuted brands. One journalist accused me of harassment. That is, he accused me of harassing multi billion dollar mega corporations. Others said that I was bullying. I'm bullying the brands. Leave the brands alone, they cry. Won't someone think of the brands? But I did appreciate this response from one leftist commentator who tweeted this quote, Matt Walsh has been at the front of a very deliberate effort to train their base to go ape on brands. They're 100% transparent that this is what they're doing, and they're promising to do more of it in June. And this is about changing the Overton window. If they can create an environment where brands are afraid to do anything slightly inclusive or progressive, if they can get them to take their pride flags down, they've dramatically changed the culture without casting a vote or firing a shot. Well, all I can say to that is, you're damn right. That is exactly what I aim to do. That is exactly what we're doing. Shift the Overton window. Every pride flag that a company takes down or hides in the back of their store in shame is a victory. And as you say, we aren't firing a shot. We aren't engaging in any kind of violence. And we also aren't waiting around for useless politicians to do the work for us because we know they won't. We are using the power that we have to demand and effect change. We are using many of the same tactics that the left has used with great success for decades. In fact, what we did with Bud Light and now with Target comes straight from Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals. Pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, polarize it. The left has been doing this again forever. The only difference is that they wield this tactic for evil. We are getting in on the game, but for good. And they get to see what it's like on the receiving end and they don't like it. And I'm glad they don't like it. I really am. Some conservatives are still skeptical, you know, that we can make a difference. Well, we can't boycott every woke company, they say. They're right, but the good news is that we don't need to. We need only pick a few strategic targets, focus on them until they are begging us to leave them alone, pleading with us to stop bullying them. And when they start begging and pleading, we laugh in their faces and keep going, okay? We make them suffer. We make them pay. We make an example out of them. We show no mercy. That will be enough to make wokeness a lot less appealing to the corporate world. They're not gonna abandon it immediately, okay? That's not gonna happen, of course not. But they'll start thinking twice. You think other beer companies now are really thinking twice before endorsing transgenderism? I'd say so. We can't bring down the whole line of dominoes at once. But we can start with one, and then the next, and then the next. Bud Light may never recover. Target has lost $9 billion in market value just in the past week. We have a lot more power than we ever thought we did. We just have to know how to use it. Now let's get to our five headlines. Memorial Day is a time to honor and remember our brave servicemen and women who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. It's also a time to come together as a nation, gather with loved ones, and enjoy some mouth-watering meals. What better way to do that than with premium 100% American meat from Good Ranchers? Good Ranchers isn't like the other meat delivery companies that import a majority of their products. They're passionate about delivering the finest 100% American meat directly to your doorstep. And here's something really special. Good Ranchers proudly offers a 10% discount to all past and present service members as a way to say thank you for their service. Um, But that's not it. In honor of Memorial Day, Good Ranchers is giving my listeners an exclusive opportunity. When you use code WALSH at checkout, you can save 20% off site wide from tender steaks to succulent chicken. GoodRanchers.com has it all, and you can save money on it right now. So fire up the grill on Memorial Day with your family and friends, knowing that the meat you're enjoying is not only the highest quality, but also supports American ranchers as well. Visit GoodRanchers.com today. Use my code Walsh to save 20% off site-wide. The more you stock up on, the more you'll save during this Memorial Day sale. You don't want to miss out. That's promo code Walsh at GoodRanchers.com. GoodRanchers, American meat delivered. Daily Wire reports Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced Wednesday evening on Twitter that he's running for president of the United States. DeSantis filed paperwork with the uh, Federal Election Commission earlier in the afternoon, released his initial official launch video at 6 p.m. Eastern time on the platform, which glitched initially as hundreds of thousands of users attempted to tune in. Uh, DeSantis said in a video, our border is a disaster, crime infests our cities, the federal government makes it harder for families to make ends meet, and the president flounders, but decline is a choice, success is attainable. And freedom is worth fighting for. Um, uh, DeSantis also joined a special event on Twitter with the platform's owner, Elon Musk, which Musk said received so much interest that it crashed the event due to the servers being overloaded. The servers are straining somewhat, Musk said at one point, as 700,000 people logged into the event. And um, so that was kind of the story. DeSantis announced they did their Twitter event, Twitter Spaces. Uh, It was the biggest Twitter Spaces event ever crashed the servers, causing some headaches and hiccups early on. Now, of course, DeSantis's opponents, uh, his critics, both those on the left and in Trump's camp, tried to spin this as like a huge disaster. The fact that the, uh, that the, the servers were having trouble is a huge disaster. And um, I saw someone tweet that the DeSantis campaign is over. It's over because of this. It's done. It's finished. Is that true? Well, obviously not. I mean, it's absurd. And this is this is one of the reasons why I dread these political seasons, campaign seasons, because we have to deal with this sort of thing all the time. You know, people taking every little thing that a politician does and trying to blow it as as out of proportion as much as possible, say, like, this is the end, this is gonna be it. And meanwhile, as I'm constantly reminding people, okay, by the time the like, people have a memory. in in American society these days, in in Western society generally, the average memory is about 14 and a half seconds, I think we're down to. So anything that happened before 14 and a half seconds ago doesn't matter. If it happened months ago, it it might as well have not happened, okay? It might as well have happened in the Middle Ages. So by the time the primaries start, the idea that anyone remembers, well, you know, I was gonna vote for DeSantis, but that, uh, that, campaign announcement was a little glitchy. I'm not sure about that. Uh it's just not going to happen. Uh, primary voters aren't going to be making their decisions based on whether a Twitter Spaces event months earlier went well or or anything else. But this is this is just this is true in general. It's like most of what happens right now doesn't matter for for any of these guys. What matters is what happens directly before the voting actually starts because that's the only thing anyone's going to be thinking about. Um, and the, I think the, 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 one thing that we take from this, like the actual event itself doesn't matter. What he said doesn't matter. Politically, it doesn't matter because again, nobody's going to remember. Nobody cares. Nobody remembers any campaign launch announcement. You know, um, there, there might be you know, Donald Trump coming down the escalator. Like that's an image that people remember. But as far as what's actually said and all that, it's, it's, it's rare that anyone really remembers that or cares. At least I'll say that. Um, the one takeaway from this is that there was a lot of interest. There was a lot of interest to crash the servers. And uh, that's what matters. Um, what we know is that if any other non-Trump Republican, if any other non-Trump Republican nominee did the same kind of event and did a Twitter Spaces event, and pr- probably they'll all do one at some point, they aren't going to crash the servers. Right. Nikki Haley or Tim Scott or Mike Pence, you're not going to have 700,000 people trying to, trying to get in on the action here, what uh, Mike Pence has to say. Only DeSantis can do that, and only Trump can do that. Those are the two Republicans in the race, uh, and probably the two Republicans, period, in the, on the political scene, who could potentially crash the servers because so many people want to hear what they say. And that's why they're the only two who really matter in this race. And for Trump, this is is the first time that he's facing a primary challenger who actually draws that kind of attention and interest. Uh, He's never had that before. Uh, There was nobody else in 2016 that anyone cared about or was paying attention to. Trump sucked up all the oxygen in the room. He still sucks up a lot of the oxygen, but not all of it. And part of the reason is that the left hates DeSantis, uh, arguably even more than they hate Trump. They despise him because of the policies he's put in place in Florida. They hate him for all the reasons that many of us like him. And this, again, is something that Trump hasn't really uh, dealt with before. So it'll be inter- interesting. What does that mean? You know, there are people saying that this primary between Trump and DeSantis will be good. It'll be good for both guys and for the right generally because iron sharpens iron and all of that. and And I would agree. Okay, I would agree that this is good if... If it means that Trump and DeSantis are going to try to outmaneuver each other to the right, if this is a primary that ends with both men going farther to the right, becoming even more conservative, then great. If they're trying to out-conservative each other um, and taking positions that 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 are ever more to the right, then I say that works out well for us. That's great. Whoever wins in the end, it's good for us. But my fear is that it it won't go that way. And instead, um, you're going to have some in the Trump camp who go to the left. We've already seen some of that happening with the Trump camp siding with Disney, for instance, coming out against the Bud Light boycott and so on. And if that happens, then we have a fracturing of the movement with with part of it going to the left. And that will be a very bad thing, no matter who wins. It's just bad. And, and my main concern is the conservative movement. It's, it's the work we're trying to do in the culture. That's why I led the show today with the, the Target boycott and, now, not, and not Ron DeSantis and his uh, presidential announcement. Because I think that other stuff matters more. Um, and that's what I care about. Yeah, I support DeSantis, but if Trump wins, then I'll vote for him in the general. The main thing I care about is the fight in the culture, at least and at least staying united on the issues. So that's what it comes down to for me, right? If if we can uh, stay united on the issues, but then yell at each other about which politician is better, great. That's fun. You know, that's fun. We could have fun with that. That's perfectly fine. Who cares about that? My fear is that we lose the unity on the issues. And you start having people saying, "Well, uh, I don't know. I, I don't agree with this anymore because, you know, because in, in an attempt to pull some kind of political maneuver and stay loyal to one politician or another, they they start abandoning their their position on the issues. And if that happens, um, then it becomes catastrophic for everybody involved." Just so, just for example, here's a Laura Loomer, is a, a big time Trump supporter, um, interviewing some Trump supporters who are picketing outside of the DeSantis campaign kickoff event. So so far, that's fine. You like the other guy, you don't like this guy, so you're out there, you know, sticking up for your guy, perfectly fine. But listen to what is said in this interview.
1: I'm here outside of the Four Seasons Resort in Miami on Brickell Avenue with Maurice from Blacksford Trump. So what are you doing here today outside of DeSantis' uh, presidential announcement? I'm here to destroy DeSantis because he's a bastard from hell. I'm here to let uh, him know that I helped you only because Trump asked us to actually go out and help. We stopped Barbara Grant from tre- cheating on you and Rubio and and a few others, and this is how you repay Trump. Shows me that you are a traitor, no good bastard from hell. So what I'm gonna do is make sure that you don't win, and that everybody knows that you a Rhino Republican racist. That's right. Because those are the racists. Republicans and deplorables are not racists. The ones that make everybody look racist is you, damn Rhinos like you, Ronnie. So I'm against the racist Rhinos for Ronnie.
0: Okay, so I, first of all, the stuff about he betrayed Trump, he's disloyal to Trump. Um, uh, Nobody cares about that. That's it's ridiculous. First of all, uh, the idea that he that he owes what what exactly is the idea? Trump has owed the presidency. That 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 Desantis owes him something. and can't run for president. I mean, it's it's absurd. But it's also that's not that can't be the message. Okay, Trump is very powerful when he's talking about the people and he's and he's sticking up for the people and he's and he's making uh, the the people that have been forgotten by the corporate media and by the system, and he's making them feel seen and heard and like we actually care about you. That is Trump's superpower. But when the message becomes, well, it's not about you guys, it's about, it's about Trump, and we have to do this for his sake and to defend him, that's not nearly as powerful. You're not going to get people to go into the polls. to. Def- it's like, go to the polls to defend the people, not to defend this individual. But putting that aside, um, Ron DeSantis is a racist. You're throwing the racist—he's a racist. Well, it's, the, the real Republicans aren't aren't racist. Um, this is a this is a leftist attack, I and mean, this is it's also completely ridiculous and false. It's a full on leftist attack and criticism it is an attack from the left all the way from the far left, and this is the kind of thing. I'm worried about, not that this one clown standing outside the event represents any kind of larger group, but it's the kind of thing I'm worried about. This is is the kind of thing we don't want to see, where we scramble over to the left. He's the racist. So yeah, you support whoever you want. But what we can't do is support people based on this um, lame leftist, these lame leftist tactics. He uses the word rhino there. I don't think he understands even what he's saying. But Rhino, by, if by Rhino, we mean kind of like fake, squishy, milk toast conservatives. That is fake, squishy, milk toast conservatism right there. What you just heard from them. Dems are the real racists. We're not racist. You are. Um, so that can't be the tactic. It's not going to work. You know, it's not going to work. Certainly not going to work in the general. And all it's going to do is is rip the the movement apart. All right, Daily Wire has this report, which is uh, interesting. With schools busy teaching everything LGBTQ nowadays, children are more confused than ever, a new study finds. Google searches about sexual orientation and gender identity have soared 1,300% since 2004, according to an analysis from the Cultural Currents Institute. The questions on the search uh, engine include questions such as, am I gay, am I lesbian, and am I trans? Other searches include the term non-binary, the analysis found. The Institute wrote, quote, The evolution of social attitudes around sexual orientation and gender identity over the last two decades has been profound, surprising even some of the foremost political consultants and public affairs practitioners who observe opinion in the space. The researchers said, quote, The shift in public conversation and awareness has, for many, given rise to questions about their own sexual and gender identity. Google Trends data from 2004 to 2023 presents a unique opportunity to explore this evolution from a novel angle, revealing a staggering 1,300% increase in specific searches that may indicate that a user is questioning their sexual identity. The analysis found that Utah, Iowa, Indiana, West Virginia, and New Hampshire are the top states for the query, am I gay? Uh, Utah, Connecticut, Kentucky, Washington, and Colorado were the top states for, am I lesbian? Um, And then there were also, as it mentions, questions, many questions, am I trans? Am I non-binary? All the rest of it. And this is how, this is exactly how you end up with the uh, this uh, uh, skyrocketing percentage of people, especially younger people, identifying as LGBT. Like, how did the LGBT camp go from a very small minority to uh, among the youngest generations, you know, 20% or more and growing? How did that happen? Well, um, there's a lot that goes into it. There's the deliberate indoctrination in the schools, from the media, from Hollywood, and all the rest of it. But then there's also this: there's, there's the internet and social media. Because what happens is you have, you know, you have especially younger people who uh, don't really understand, they're, they're, they they ha- they have questions, they, they're hearing a lot of these terms, they don't really know what they mean. And especially term like non-binary, you know, so this why non-binary identification. I, I, I'm assuming, and I don't see this here in the report, but if you go back to 2004, how many people were searching, am I non-binary? Um, I'm going to guess that the answer is like none. There's pretty much zero people questioning that in 2004, because the concept hadn't really been invented yet. Uh, and if it had been invented, if there were, it was it was still in the kind of academic realms where they would use phrases like non-binary in 2004. Um and it, it had not it had not caught on in the mainstream the way that it has now. So especially co- words like that, terms like that, they don't really mean anything to begin with. And so you have people, you have kids, that hear these terms and they don't really know. And they're they're you know they're going through phases in their life and they're asking questions and they, they don't really understand their own feelings about things. They don't understand the world. Um, it's all very normal and natural for for young people. Um, and they hear these terms. And then they go online and they say, well, am I that? I don't know what that is. And they're immediately presented with this, with this framework. It is a, it, The internet presents a framework for understanding, for them to understand themselves. They have certain feelings. They have certain discomforts. You have adolescent girls that feel uncomfortable in their own bodies, uncomfortable with themselves. Uh, adolescent boys, too, going through puberty, very natural, very normal. 20 years ago, that did not result in uh, all of these kids coming out as trans because that framework didn't really exist in the mainstream. And it certainly wasn't accessible the way that it is now. Now it does. They take all that confusion, that fog of confusion that comes with adolescence and puberty and teenage years, and they, they bring it to the Internet and they say, how do I make sense of this? And the Internet is there to say, well, here you go. Here's what all that means for you. And they glom onto it like they they, they desperately, they desperately, they grab onto it like it's debris floating in in the ocean and they just uh, survived the shipwreck because they're confused. And they say, well, anything that gives me an answer that that, that feels like it makes sense of how I'm feeling, um, I'm going to grab onto that. That's my identity now. And if I let go of it, I'm going to sink. And none of that is true. You know, it's not their identity, and they don't need this, and it doesn't actually make sense of anything. It only makes them more confused, but they, but, but they, they feel like it makes sense of it. And that's how we end up with 20% LGBT and all the rest of it. Um, speaking of the way things have changed over the years, you go back 20, to 2004, it's almost 20 years ago. It's a long time. You don't have to go back that far, though, to see the way that things have changed. Yaff posted this video yesterday, and it's a fascinating video, and it, it proves some points that I've made in the past. Those are my favorite kinds of videos that prove points that I've made. This is our friend Dennis Prager on Bill Maher's show in 2019. So this is 2019, not all that long ago. Um, Bill Maher is now celebrated by many on the right as a voice of reason, you know, a bastion of sanity, one of the good ones on the left. But let's let's see what happened in 2019, only a few years ago, when Dennis Prager was on the show and brought up some concerns about, about gender ideology. Let's watch. To say that men can menstruate is a lie, and that is now that is what is said.
2: (laughs) Wait, wait, wait! Wait, Where did that? I I, I never heard it. You never heard it. (laughs) Okay, check it out. Anyone who says a man cannot menstruate is considered transphobic. I I, I missed this whole story. (laughs) You did. (laughs) I did. Tell me where where you're getting this. Just Google it. Can men menstruate? Who is saying this? You're talking about a very small percentage. Oh, really, Dennis? I remember you in the old show. You were a little more reasonable. Uh, I, I, I just, I, what did I say that wasn't under you you, the, you, you said that, that, we that, that we think that men menstruate yes, and no yes. one does we no, never no. Have you heard about it? Uh, I'm a doctor. I, I missed
1: that one. I confess. And this is one of the premier are, reporters missing, <laughs> I mean
2: he knows everything these people are very yes. he's a doctor. Okay. doctor he's no, one no, of I the I would great make a friendly bet
0: that you that the LGBTQ normative statement is men can menstruate 2019 Who's saying that? Men can menstruate. No one's saying that. You, you, you dumb clown. Who's saying that? Well, who's saying that, Bill? Um, every major medical organization in the world is saying that now, or at least in the West. Nearly everyone on the left is saying that. The president of the United States is saying that. Every elected Democrat is saying that. You know. Um, your kid's pediatrician would probably say that everybody on your side is saying that everybody that's who's saying it bill uh, in 2019 it was it was there were there were fewer a little bit fewer but but it was it was to anyone paying attention in 2019 it was very obvious where this was headed by 2019 those of us who were aware and cognizant and uh and and sane by 2019 we had You know, the the fight over gender ideology had had been going on for a while. We had had long since jumped into those waters by 2019. So as recently as 2019, Bill Maher, who's who's supposed to be the reasonable one, one of the good ones, by as recently as 2019, he was laughing at the very idea that this is a concept we have to oppose or argue against. And the whole crowd was too. You know what happens now, though? This, it, you know, the people in the crowd, people in the audience are not innocent here because you take those ex, take that exact same audience, okay, that exact same audience, and uh, you put them in that room again right now in the year 2023, and you, you put Dennis Prager in front of them, and Dennis Prager says men can't menstruate, rather than them laughing because it's an absurd uh, concept that doesn't need to be said, they would boo him. How dare you, bigot! Those same people in a few years went from laughing at the very notion of it to um, they want to kill you if you say it because it's that offensive. Now, does this show uh, on Bill Maher's part ideological inconsistency or an inconsistency on the issue? Well, you could argue not really. It's, it's not like in 2019 he was saying that men can right? Uh, he was just laughing at the idea that anyone needs to, to uh, argue against that. He was, he was dismissive of the issue. He wasn't on the other side of the issue a few years ago. He was dismissive of it. So in that sense, sure, it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not an intellectual uh, inconsistency. It's not exactly hypocrisy. What it shows is that this guy's oblivious. What it shows is that he doesn't notice anything until it is punching him directly in the face. Okay. He doesn't see anything. Like if 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 the thing is this close to his face, he still doesn't see it. It needs to smack him directly in the face. So gender ideology, you know, back in 2019, it was, it was, about, it was about this far away. So the ball being hurled at his face in 2019, it was like right here and he still couldn't see it. Like, no one's throwing anything at me. What are you talking about? Uh, he needed it to smack him in the face. And then he could say, well, what was that? That came out of nowhere. So what we see is uh, he's uh, obliviousness, vanity, arrogance. You had people like Dennis Prager and any other, so, quote unquote, social conservative with a platform. We were all trying to warn you. We tried to tell you, idiots. We tried to tell you. And you laughed at us. And you still do about other issues. See, that's the problem. We warned you about gender ideology. We told you where it was headed. We told you years ago. We were screaming it from the rooftops. And you wouldn't listen to us. But now you do. But you pretend like it was your idea. You don't even acknowledge. You don't apologize. You don't acknowledge. You don't say, hey, look, I got blindsided by this. I should have been paying attention. I laughed at you guys when you warned me about it. Um, You know, I I was, and, and, and I shouldn't have. There's none of that. Right? There's no uh, mea culpa. There's no acknowledgement. I can forgive people. I can forgive Dennis or, uh, Bill Maher if he were to come out and say, you know, I should have noticed this. I was wrong. It was stupid. I'm sorry about that. I won't, I'm not I'm trying not to make that mistake again. He says that, I could say, all right, well, that's progress at least. This is not progress. But then the other part of it is that he's still, these people, supposed good liberals are still reacting this way to us on other issues. When we try to tell you about other things in the culture and we say, look, here's where it is right now, um, but here's here's where it's going to be. If we accept this thing now, and if we accept these arguments in principle, here's where it leads. And it's not even this is where it leads. It's more when you accept this argument in principle, this is what else you have accepted. Not down the line. You've accepted it now. We're telling you that. We're telling you that with, with, with plenty of other issues. Marriage, abortion, euthanasia, things like that. And the good liberals still laugh at us about that. Maybe five years from now, we'll, we'll get a, we'll, they'll, they'll have caught on and once again pretend like it was their idea. All right. We'll play one other quick uh, thing. This is uh, Joy Behar had some thoughts about Tim Scott's campaign announcement.
1: And he's one of these guys who, you know, he's like Clarence Thomas, black Republican who believes in pulling yourself by your bootstraps rather than, to me, understanding the systemic racism that African Americans face in this country and other minorities. He doesn't get it. Neither does uh, Clarence. Right. And that's why they're Republicans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's that's uh, been making the rounds, and for, for obvious reasons, you have this old white lady who's telling uh, two black men that they t- that they can't relate to the experiences of uh, of black people. So she she will tell them what it's like to be a black person in America because uh, because they can't they, they don't know, um, which is which is absurd. I mean, all you could do is laugh at that. It's not worth getting angry about. It's just a, it's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's silly. You know, I'm, I'm happy when people like Joy Behar make these kinds of statements because it makes them look so stupid. And for Joy Behar, like, everything she says makes her look stupid. But um, this is, it, it's, it's good. You, know, you want to go with that, go with that. If this is what you want to go with, uh, that, that you, you know, you can speak more as an old liberal white woman to the experiences of black Americans than Clarence Thomas can yeah, sure. Run with that. The more insidious thing is the uh, the bit about pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. She says, "Well, because because you know, they believe you can pull yourself up by the bootstraps, so they're not real black people." So the very the very notion that a person can have any control over their own lives, that a person can, um, you know, to a large extent, control their own fate. Um, she says that that if you if you think that way, if you try to take control of your own life, then you're no longer even really black. You don't count as black anymore, because according to, jo- to Joy Behar, to be black is to be helpless. It is to be infantilized, and if you are not helpless and infantilized, then you're not even really a member of the race. That is how that is how fundamental. Being a helpless infant is fundamental to being a member of the black race, according to Joy Bayard. That's the really sinister stuff. All right, let's get to the comment section.
1: If you're a man, it's required that you grow.
0: Our country might be headed in the wrong direction, but PragerU videos could help save the future of America. PragerU makes educational pro-American content that's been changing people's minds for over a decade. Their impact is pivotal in these times. My friends at PragerU are reaching millions of people with their educational videos every day, but they have a long way to go. You can help PragerU reach thousands more people by joining Club Five for just $5 or more per month. Go to PragerU.com slash Club Five now to join. Your gift will ensure that PragerU has the support it needs to be here for the long haul. What are you waiting for? You can join a movement with thousands of fellow patriots in the fight to save America. You'll receive a free PragerU bumper sticker plus an ebook of scripts from PragerU's five-minute videos when you join Club 5 today. That's prageru.com slash club5today. Kay Wagner says, I'm blind and I sure the heck got to get one of the Matt baby dolls. Well, in your case, maybe that's the only time I could recommend buying the baby dolls if you're blind and you can't see it anyway and see how disturbing it is, then then that's the only time that it can be potentially safe. Uh, Stephanie says, or no, sorry, Garrett says, Step one, classify normal behavior as a mental disorder. Step two, make made readily available and acceptable for mental disorders. Step three, total societal collapse. Yes, that is exactly the process. I'm glad that you see it. More people need to see it. And it's not just with euthanasia. Okay, using mental illness as a pretext for taking people's rights away, and also taking their lives away. This is the same thing with red flag red flag laws. So what people need to understand is that that is red flag laws, euthanasia for mental illness. That's step two in the process. Step one, as you point out, is to. Classify every kind of human behavior and uh, thought and proclivity and emotion as a mental disorder. That's step one. Step one is medicalize, um, diseaseify the entire human condition, make everything into a mental disorder, make sure that everybody potentially is classified as mentally disordered. We're already there. You know, if you twenty percent of uh, of. Uh, I believe Americans now have been classified as have been diagnosed with at least one mental disorder. Um, but if you have not been diagnosed, it's only because you you, you haven't gone through the process of getting a diagnosis, but, but anyone, because of the DSM5 and how expansive it is, and with either, with every new edition, it expands all the more, it means that anyone could get a diagnosis. If you want one, you can get one. Maybe that's actually step, maybe that's step two. Step one is uh, make everything a mental disorder. Step two is make mental disorders somehow appealing and trendy so that people want to be able to categorize themselves as mentally ill. We've checked that off. And then step three is use that as a pretense for taking rights away, taking lives away. That's what we're experiencing. Jacob says, if you accept MAID, then we should just allow any form of consensual murder. If I didn't believe in the sanctity of human life, I would want my family to take me out behind a barn like Old Yeller and save 700 bucks $700 on, uh, on medical bills. I can't believe do no harm is being ignored. Well, you raise a good point that I've often thought uh, myself, but it's hard to express out loud without sounding cruel or like you're encouraging suicide, which is the opposite of my actual point and your actual point. But yes, if you don't object to euthanasia, then that means that you don't object to suicide. So then why do we need euthanasia? That's, that's one of the things that doesn't make sense on the surface. Like, why do you need to wait on a waiting list and pay money and all of that when anyone can kill themselves easily and cheaply and painlessly, right? A, a bullet to the head is effectively painless. Turning the car on in the garage to, is painless and less messy. Um, this is grim. I mean, it's gross to talk about. But there's an important point here, which is that, first of all, if you support euthanasia, you shouldn't balk at what I'm saying. You support suicide. That's what it is. You're supporting suicide. And so if the idea of like encouraging someone to go into their garage and shut the garage and turn the car on so they inhale the carbon monoxide and die, if that idea is 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 repulsive and repugnant to you, that you would encourage anyone to do that, and it should be, then you should not be a supporter of euthanasia. It's the same damn thing. It is suicide just by lethal injection instead of carbon monoxide poisoning. What's the difference? Um, and if you're a suicidal person, why do you need to wait on the waiting list? I mean, you know, why do we hear from some of these um, made applicants that they, they need access? Right? The media runs these stories about ap- medical assistance and dying applicants, and, and they, they've been turned down, and it's so terrible, uh, and they've been, they've been denied access. What do you mean denied access? we all have access to suicide anytime. Well, here's the reason, because euthanasia is a way of hiding from the reality of suicide. It allows society to lie to itself. It allows the individual to lie to himself. Euthanasia is euphemism. It is a product of a culture terrified of death. This is always the the paradox of modern culture, is that we're terrified of death and we also worship it at the same time. We are, we are a, a death-fearing, death-worshipping society. How can that be the case? Well, because we sanitize it. We make it accessible in that way. It's not honest. And this is one of the, the great evils of euthanasia. You know, if you, here's the point. If you wouldn't kill yourself, except for euthanasia, if you need euthanasia in order to access suicide, then that tells me that you don't actually want to kill yourself. And that's, that's good. That's good it's good that you don't want to euthanasia is suicide for people who wouldn't otherwise commit suicide it's a way of making suicide accessible to people who wouldn't otherwise do it which is another way of saying it's a way of making suicide to people suicide accessible to people who aren't even really suicidal why would we want to do that it's like it's like if somebody says you know i'm depressed and i want to kill myself and then you go oh uh oh well no if someone if someone said i'm depressed but i don't want to kill myself Would you respond, oh, well, you don't want to kill yourself? Well, here's a new way that you can do it that may be more appealing and accessible to you. How in the hell would that be the compassionate response? So that's what all of this is. It's about taking suicide and making it accessible and appealing and sanitized to the individual person so that more people are encouraged to do it, who wouldn't otherwise do it, who wouldn't otherwise kill themselves. They would continue living, which is good. So it makes it sanitized and appealing and accessible to the individual and to society. Because society, all the euthanasia proponents, okay, very few of them would actually, you know, directly encourage or support someone who said, I'm going to shoot myself today. All these euthanasia proponents say, well, death with dignity, take your, you know, you should go out on your own terms. Yet if a suicidal person went up to you and said, "I'm I'm going to go home and shoot myself," even though you just said all that stuff about death with dignity, and going out on your own terms, you would probably say to that person, "No, don't do that. Here's a hotline. Call this. Per- talk to somebody." Right? You would respond like a like a decent person, like any like any decent person would. And yet if that same person says, "I have an appointment for maid today," you say, "Well, that's great. That's that's you're going out on your own terms. That's a celebration." Are you excited? Remember the video yesterday, a woman asking her grandmother if she's excited? If somebody said they're going to shoot themselves, would you say, oh, really? Are you excited? Are you excited? If you heard someone respond that way, you'd think you're, you're, you're a, it's, that's psychotic. You're a monster. And yet for euthanasia, it's okay. It's the exact same thing. Suicide is suicide. You know, Murder is murder, even when there's a doctor administering it. That's the lesson we all need to absorb. All right. This, uh, and I'm not joking. This is the last time I'm going to do this copy. So I'm, I'm just, this I'm just warning you right now. I'm not, we're not doing this anymore. Uh, a man can only take so much. So he's an undeniable symbol of hope, of tradition, of pure, unadulterated bigotry and transphobia. He is the sweet baby and he's ready to join your family. In case you haven't heard, you can now adopt your very own sweet baby from my swag shack at dailywire.com shop. Get one for yourself, twins to share or keep or whatever number you feel moved to add to your cart. The Sweet Baby is a perfect statement piece for your home, for your kids to play with, or to give as a gift to friends, families, and random pedestrians. I have a walrus, the Sweet Baby plushie makes the perfect companion to his flippered counterpart. The S B G asked and I delivered, so adopt your Sweet Baby plushie at dailywire.com slash shop while supplies last. Bring home yours today. People sometimes ask me what the cancellation and the daily cancellation actually means. I mean, what happens to a person who's canceled during this segment? And what am I saying should happen to them? When I say you're canceled, do I mean it like the left means it? Do I mean that I want this person to be fired and shamed and disgraced and ostracized and alienated and marginalized by society? Do I want their livelihood taken away? Do I want their lives ruined? In many cases, no, not exactly. Cancelled is more of a symbolic designation, something to be taken seriously, but not literally. And probably not seriously either, most of the time. But there are exceptions. There are people who should be canceled in the full, literal sense of the term. Canceled as the left cancels. Canceled with great prejudice. And today is one of those exceptions. Here is Fred Mills. Now, if you're watching the video podcast, I want you to see what this cowardly little weasel looks like. Fred is a Republican state senator in Louisiana. He's the chairman of the Health and Welfare Committee. And he's also the reason why children in Louisiana can still be butchered, mutilated, castrated, and sterilized today. Fred is apparently a big fan of this most insidious form of child abuse, such a big fan that he, despite being a Republican, decided to block a bill that would have banned these barbaric practices in the state. The Daily Wire reports, quote, a Republican state senator in Louisiana joined Democrats on a vote to kill a bill that would ban transgender surgeries on children in the state. Republican state senator Fred Mills Uh, joined Democrats in a 5-4 vote on the Health and Welfare Committee to block the advancement of a bill that would have banned using cross-sex hormones, puberty blockers, and surgery to alter a minor's appearance in an attempt to validate a minor's perception of his sex if the minor's perception is inconsistent with his sex. The bill had previously passed the House in a a vote of 71-24 before it was moved along to the Republican-dominated state Senate. Included in the bill was a prohibition on transgender surgeries, including those that artificially constructs tissue, Um, having the appearance of genitalia differing from the minor sex, including uh, metoidoplasty, metoidioplasty, I think is how we go, phalloplasty and vaginoplasty. It was sponsored by Republican Representative Cabe Ferment and called the Stop Harming Our Kids Act. Now, just to remind you, and not to get too graphic, but a phalloplasty is when they rip the skin off of your arm and use it to construct a fake penis. A vaginoplasty is when the penis and scrotum are cut open, turned inside out, and then turned into an open wound that the patient can pretend is a vagina. These procedures are not only barbarous and deranged, but also highly experimental, extremely dangerous, and they leave the patient prone to infection and all manner of other side effects, ensuring that the patient will be a patient for life. The new new fake genitals do not function like the genitals they're trying to emulate. They never will. The patient is left with the gross, fleshy, mutilated remnants of what their body is supposed to look like. The bill in Louisiana would have banned doctors from doing that to kids, but Fred Mills said no. He believes strongly in a doctor's right to peel the skin off of a girl's arm to create a fake penis. He defends the medical community's God-given right to carve a boy's penis into pieces to turn it into a fake vagina. He doesn't want these procedures banned. And of course he doesn't want the chemical castration drugs uh, for, for prepubescent kids' banned. He doesn't want the sterilizing cross-sex hormones banned. He wants to keep all that. This was the reason he gave at the hearing. Quote, I've always in my heart of hearts believed that a decision should be made by a patient and a physician. I believe in the physicians in Louisiana. I believe people that are licensed by the Board of Medical Examiners are well-regulated. Fred's argument is that doctors should be able to do this to kids because doctors do this to kids. The fact that doctors do it means that doctors should be able to do it. Fred cannot conceive of the possibility that doctors might do things they shouldn't do. Fred apparently doesn't realize that doctors used to lobotomize people as a treatment for mental illness. All manner of archaic savagery has, at various points in history, been endorsed by the medical community. In fact, Fred should know this considering the fact that he calls himself pro-life, Fred should know that doctors, many of of those physicians he believes in so deeply, will deliberately kill unborn infant children, all while insisting that unborn infants don't count as people because they haven't been born yet. So doctors can be wrong about things, Fred. They've often been wrong, catastrophically, horrifically wrong. And yet Fred's entire argument is based on the assumption that they cannot be wrong. Doctors should be able to do it because doctors are doing it, he insists. This is the level of thought that has gone into his position. And that's probably because Fred has certain incentives to arrive at this position. As journalist Greg Price pointed out yesterday, Fred Mills, a pharmacist himself, has received many donations from Big Pharma. The pharmaceutical industry makes billions of dollars off of the gender transition racket, which means the politicians they own are required to defend the racket and keep it going. I can't say this for sure, but you know, it's also possible that on top of the uh, financial motives, maybe Fred has more personal motives as well. Greg Price also reports that Fred Mills apparently used to enjoy dressing in drag while filming bizarre commercials for his own pharmacy. Um, See if you can make sense of this, watch.
2: Welcome to our new line of school clothes.
1: Todd is wearing Cashway's fall line of St. Martin Parish school clothes. Available in all sizes. Capture the look and feel of education. You too can look as fine and sassy as the taunt. See Fred, watch out, baby. First grade, here I come. No more knots for me. Thank you. At Cashway Pharmacy, services I promise to you. Excuse me. The pharmacy, can I help you? Yes, Chef, my pal is big and pussy. Taunt pills. I'm sorry to hear your hemorrhoids inflamed again. Are you using your stool soften as I advised you? No, my lazy boy. Are you avoiding spicy food? I'm slowing down. You may have to let your doctor look at this problem. No,
0: Shia, you're going to look at it.
1: Catch me, (laughs) (laughs) boss. Okay.
0: I'm not sure what's going on there or why, but um, we don't have the time to run a full psychological analysis. All we know is that this is the guy who decided to keep the child mutilators and castrators in business in Louisiana. And if you have any questions about this decision, or if you'd like to give Fred Mills your feedback, uh, he would love to hear from you at 337-845-4240. You can also call 337-365-8484. Again, it's 337-845-4240 or 337-365-8484. You can also email him at millsf at legis, L-E-G-I-S dot L-A dot gov. Now, uh, you might you know, want to try to contact him through all of those methods. And uh, if you don't get a response, keep trying and keep trying, keep trying. Fred would appreciate your persistence. He, he wants to hear from you. So just make sure you keep trying until you he really appreciate it. Now, I would say that this is the end of Fred's political career, except that he is term limited and will be out of office soon anyway. Probably why he thought he could get away with openly selling his soul to Big Pharma for the sake of protecting child butchers. He figured perhaps that he has nothing to lose, so he might as well do it. But there's always more to lose, Fred, like respect and your reputation and your good name. We may be deprived of the satisfaction of making sure that this gutless worm is voted out of office, but we can at least ensure that his name and face are forever tarnished, that he is from here on out known as the pathetic weakling who caved to the child butchers. We can make sure that he is branded as the whore who hopped in bed with Big Pharma at the expense of our children. And if he did have any other political ambitions, we can certainly make sure that those are now over. He has disgraced himself. And we will make sure that he carries that disgrace with him forever. And that is what I mean when I say that Fred Mills is today canceled. That'll do it for this portion of shows. We move over to the members block. You become a member today by using code Walsh to check out for two months free on all annual plans. Hope to see you there. If not, talk to you tomorrow. Godspeed.
2: With plans that include unlimited miles, road trips have never been easier. Plus, you get exclusive access to CarShield's concierge service as well as 24-7 roadside assistance and help with flat or damaged tires, lockouts, and rental car options. Call CarShield to speak with an expert here in the U.S. that can answer all your questions and get you a free quote in minutes. Don't wait another minute. Visit CarShield now before a breakdown happens and you get stuck with an expensive repair bill. Save 20% and get your free quote by going to CarShield.com Shapiro now. That's CarShield.com Shapiro to save 20% today.